Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, if you want to bring destruction into your life, despair, depression, complications, uh, ongoing difficulties, stress, two things you need to do. One is to commit sin. Okay? Sin. Choose sin instead of God and his ways. Choose sin. And the second thing is persist in it. Continue in it. Don't resolve it. And you will bring yourself to a place where I guarantee you, you will not want to be. And it doesn't matter how good it looks now, how exciting or fun it might be now, uh, how safe it might feel now, any of those things. None of that. Ultimately, it's going to catch up with you, especially if you persist in it. Yeah. So are you all encouraged? Um, But the idea is that God here, what we want to see today is that God has provided a way for us not to end up there, not to get stuck in that, not to have that be our inevitable destination. He wants to set us free instead. Now, but the problem is, for me, I've been, let's see, I've, I've known the Lord since 1975. What's that make it, 47 years now? 47 years. And uh, I kind of joke once in a while, I, I think, you know what? After 47 years and being a pastor for 40 years, you'd think I'd have it all nailed down. And God has done amazing things in my life. And he has changed me. And, and my life is not like what it used to be. And I, it's for sure not like what it would have become. I mean, so there's tremendous progress that we can make in our relationship with Christ and how we live our lives. But here's what I mean, is that it still seems, when, when um, John says, hey, talking about the sin and the pull to sin, he says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is still around. Like I said, you might have thought after all these years that ah, I would never be, those things would never pull on me now, but they do. And they always will as long as we live in this world. Okay? Now, so we can make tremendous improvements. We can sin less. uh, But the reality is, is we are still going to find ourselves from time to time having bought into it and sinned. And the risk, the danger is that when we do that, anybody besides me, when you find yourself, you, you sin and you say, you put the word again on it, sinned again, I can't believe it, and that you just feel so, anybody besides me? Anybody ever feel that way? Yeah. And Satan wants you to say, see, this is who you are. This is who you really are. This is your destiny. But it's a lie, okay? And what we want to see today is that God has provided for us, when we have sinned, he has provided a way for us to become free of that. And the way we do that is through taking advantage of the forgiveness that he offers to us. So today we're going to talk about the joyful freedom 
of forgiveness. And we'll be in Psalm 32. And Psalm 32 is uh, one of a few psalms that's considered a teaching psalm. I think the Hebrew word is masculine. And your Bible or my Bible may interpret that as the contemplation of, of David. But it's the idea there's some things to learn here that are huge for us. And uh, we're probably going to focus mostly on the first two verses. We'll get through the rest of them, but we're going to focus on the first two. But before we jump into that, let me talk to you just the idea of forgiveness. Because every one of us, we, we know that, uh, well, the psalm says, David says it in another psalm. The idea is from, from the time I came into being, <laughs> in my very conception, from then on, I was, I was damaged by sin. The curse of sin in our world, the pull of sin, all those things, it was there, okay? And so that's the way we all are. And then we live it out, right? We act on it, we live it out. We sin against the holy God, which we'll talk more about in a little bit. Uh, and so our sins have separated us from God, the scripture tells us. And if we die in that condition, we die separated from God. And if we die separated from God, we are eternally separated from God in hell, okay? And so this is why Jesus came, right? This is why he came. He came, the Son of God comes and lives this perfect and sinless life, dies on the cross, and as he dies on the cross, and by the way, he willingly went to the cross, and as he dies on the cross, uh, God the Father somehow places my sin, your sin, the sins of the whole world, every sin that ever has been, ever will be committed on Jesus, and he, he paid for that somehow, being the perfect Son of God. And all the anguish of the cross, and my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All of those things. And then he comes down and he says, it is what? Finished. It is finished. That's right. He had paid in full for the sins of the whole world. Okay? And so the offer to you and I is that if we will be honest and acknowledge that we have sinned against the holy God and our sins have separated us from him, we can't fix it, we on our own, we can't do enough religious things, good things, we can't give enough money, we can't be a nice enough person, we can't make up for that, okay, because we've sinned against the holy God. If we will acknowledge that that's our situation and then believe and put our faith in the fact that Jesus died for us, right, that at that, that point, when we do that and we sincerely say, okay, God, I, that's me, I, I need a Savior and I, I'm going to believe and trust what Jesus did for me. And uh, when he died for me and rose again. And the Bible tells us that when we do that, that very moment, every sin is forgiven. Every sin. Every sin you have ever committed or ever will commit. Jesus died for all of them. Okay? Secondly, you have eternal life. Now, your eternal life has begun. You're, you're in that stream and now... Uh, God himself moves in and begins working on us, enables us to make progress, enables us to you know, start to do better, make some better choices and grow in that and you know, maybe experience what we might consider you know, victorious, uh, the, his victory over sin. All right? And so that's forgiveness with respect to salvation. That, that you come to that point in life. For me, that was, and many of you, are, I've told you the date enough, you know it, April 4th, 1975. Very clearly for me, that's when I came to the Lord and received Christ as Savior and believe that. And all sins were forgiven. Always. And just in case somebody's sitting here wondering, or anybody who's watching is wondering, uh, it's, you may say, well, then you can go do whatever you want if Jesus already paid for all your sins. Yeah. 
But if you've really received Christ as Savior, that's not what you want. You want to do better. So it doesn't become a license to sin. But anyway, so when I get saved, it's ongoing. I am forgiven. So when it comes to having to being saved and my eternal destiny is heaven and that God lives in me, when I got received Christ as Savior, what happens when I sin now? Am I already forgiven? Yes. Am I already forgiven? Yes. When we're talking about salvation, yes, absolutely. Already forgiven. Because he already died and paid for it, and I already accepted the gift from him, and he made an eternal change in me. So that's settled. Now, so in what sense then do we need to experience forgiveness now? And I would say to you that when we're talking about salvation, you know, receiving Christ as Savior, now you're going to heaven instead of hell, that that forgiveness was, we might say, judicial in nature. A judge, a judge making a decision and saying, okay, now you are innocent. I mean, you, you, you know, you're not, you've been forgiven. That's not, they're all forgiven. Okay. But, The forgiveness that we need now after that fact is what I would call relational forgiveness. Relational forgiveness, okay? In other words, what we experience in our relationship with God is affected when we sin. God is not affected, but we are, aren't we? And so it affects our our ability to experience this relationship with God. It's there, it's available to us, but stuff gets in the way. And who put it in the way? We did. We did. And so the kind of forgiveness we're talking about is is this restoration of this joyful, free relationship with the Lord. Okay, that that's the forgiveness that we need. And and you might say, well, we don't need that forgiveness. We've already got it. Yeah, but Jesus said when his disciples says, how do we pray? What do he say? One of the things is, Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Right? Forgive us. It is an ongoing thing in the Christian life. You don't have to say, oh God, please forgive me because I think I'm on my way to hell again. No. No, you're forgiven. But oh God, I'm so sorry that I brought this in between us. You know, that I brought this into our relationship and, and we receive that forgiveness. So, that's the primary focus we're going to talk about today. But I want you to know that this relational forgiveness is only... Only available because of the judicial forgiveness. Because when we got saved, we were forgiven. And that God provided for all of that. Okay? That's the foundation for everything else that we want to talk about today. So let's take our our Bibles and turn to the book of Psalms. Excuse me. Psalm 32, page 637 on the Bible that's under the chairs there. If you don't have a Bible with you today, we encourage you. To look down under the chairs in front of you and find one of those and turn to page 637. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. So, um, so we're going to focus in a lot here on the first two verses. And so let's, let's just jump right into this. You know, why do we need forgiveness? You know, we said Jesus already died for us, already paid that penalty. Why do we need forgiveness? Well, it's because this, this is the truth. Sin is really bad. Worse than you think, okay? Go ahead and go to that if you would, Eduardo. Sin is really bad, worse than we think, it really is. Uh, if, if, 
if we really thought it was really bad and we really grasp it, we really would make different choices, wouldn't we? But we don't, far too often. So let's take a look here. At, uh, let's just read the first two verses. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So there's a blessing here that God says uh, related to forgiveness. But let's, let's, let's zero in on what's being forgiven. What's being forgiven? Well, we have four kinds of ideas here. One is transgression. And then it says sin. And then it says iniquity. And then it says deceit. Okay? So these are the things that sin is about in our lives. And it's why we need this forgiveness. So the idea of transgression uh, is really the idea of a revolt against authority. Okay, that's what the word means. Uh, to go across what is, uh, you know, God has told us to do. So the first problem with sin is that it means we're rejecting God's authority. We're saying to God, you will not rule over me. Now, I don't know if any of us in here these days in our life would say, God, I am rejecting your authority right now and I'm choosing to sin. We are consciously thinking that, but guess what we are doing? We are rejecting that authority. It's like when a child says to his parent, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do what you say. We get, we experience that, that rebellion. And so we're rejecting God's authority. And then the second thing is this, that we offend the holy God. This word sin, the first of transgressions, this word sin has to do with the idea of offense, an offense that you have done, and who's offended? God is offended. He is a holy God. Now, what does it mean that God is holy? You know, I, I know that a lot of us from our, our religious upbringing or maybe things we've heard from other places, we get this idea, if we, if we actually think about a holy God at all, we think about a holy God of being as stern, you know, watching over, being very, you know, judging every action, all this kind of stuff. But I would say to you that I, I don't think that's what holiness is about. With God, holiness is about being the perfect goodness. You understand what I'm saying? There's, there's no, no sin there, no desire to sin. And it's about this perfect goodness. And I, I want you to think about this. Why does God tell us, don't do this? Or don't do that? Why does he tell us? It's because it's not good for us. It will do damage for, to us. It works against what God is intending and planning to do in our lives. It, it harms us. And so God has, you know, laid all this out, and we say when we sin, I know better than you. I don't care. I don't care that you're holy and this you've told me not to do this. We offend the holy God. And so there is a sense, in, I mean, have you ever invested in somebody and done a lot of things for them and really just your heart, you cared for about them and then at some point they just <laughs> acted like it was nothing and walked away? Yeah. Well, that's what we do to God many times over. I mean, that's offensive when somebody does that to you, isn't it? Okay, and so, yeah, so we offend God. 
All right, now, so what's going on inside of us that, that, to do this that continues to make sin really bad? The third thing is this, that we set ourselves up in God's place. So let's look at this again. Verse number two, blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. What is this about? Well, this word iniquity means to be um, twisted, <laughs> perverse, bent. And it, it comes down to an idea of self-willed, okay? Because when, when we, before you received Christ as Savior, what was your nature? It was what? Sinful. You had a sin nature. You were dead to God. You were doing your own thing. Doesn't matter how good it looks to the world around you, right? You were doing your own thing. That's what this is talking about. You're doing your own thing. And our own natural thing is not bent toward God. It's bent away from God. It's doing our own thing. And that's what, when we receive Christ, he gives us a new nature inside that begins to work on trying to correct that problem. But nonetheless, it's there. And so we have this iniquity, this self-willedness. And so the idea is we're setting ourselves up in God's place. Because who should be, I'm not trying to think of the right words there. Who has the right, who is the only person who has the right and authority to say what ought to be? The Lord. And any, any way in which I start thinking about the way things ought to be, ought to be submitted to him in line with what he's saying and what he thinks. So we go back to the story in Isaiah chapter 14. And if uh, it seems there that, that God is talking about a king who is standing in opposition to God, but the way he talks about him, we get this sense that he's talking about more than just this king. It seems as though he's actually talking about the evil behind the king which is Satan, and refers to him here as Lucifer, okay? And, and the scripture is telling us what Lucifer did, this idea, uh, our understanding, my understanding is that uh, he was, you know, created by God, high and glorious angel, and somehow, and I don't, I don't fully fathom how this works, being in the presence of God, but he decided that he was going to be like God. He says, I'm going to exalt my throne equal to God's. I'm going to be like, it says, the most high. I'm going to be like God. Can anybody be like God? Anybody who says, I'm going to be equal to God has rejected God. Really, that's what it comes down to. And so when we sin, we are buying into what Satan told Adam and Eve in the garden. He says, you know, yeah, God told you don't do this because he knows that when you do it, you'll be like him. You'll be like God. It was a lie that brought death and destruction. But uh, so he said, you'll be like God. And so when we choose to go our own way, we are making a decision that says what? Well, yeah, there is a God, and I know this is what he says, but... I'm going to take God's place. I'm making this decision. Who thinks that's a good idea? God, I don't need you anymore. I'm replacing you. I got this covered. And once again, we don't consciously do that, but we could do that in ways that we maybe really don't, if we thought about it, we'd say that's not a good thing. 
So sin is really bad. We reject God's authority. We offend a holy God. We set up ourselves in God's place. And then we lie to ourselves about it. And we try to lie to God about it. Right? This idea of this deceit. We do lie to ourselves, folks. And the way we do it is we, we come to a situation, a decision to be made. Sometimes it's fast. Sometimes it's over a period of time. We come to this decision and we look at it. And we say, well, yeah, okay, I, I know the people say this isn't right. We just made our first mistake. It's God who says it isn't right. But we say, I know it, but, but I think it's okay in this situation because. What have we just done? We've lied to ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves. If we think, you might said in the beginning, right? If you want to destroy your life, choose to sin and then persist in it. It, it, you're lying to yourself if you think this is ever going to lead to anywhere good. It's not. Are the big sins going to, the big sins, and we could come up with a list, I bet, right? And uh, the big sins, are they going to lead anywhere good? No. All right, so guys, here's the question. Somebody, some of you besides Jamie and Jonah for just a moment. <laughs> I love these guys. Are the big sins leading us anywhere good? No. So guess what? Neither are the little ones. They aren't leading us anywhere good. Okay? And so we lie about ourselves. So this is not a good recipe for life. It's not a recipe for the life that God made you for or a recipe for the life that you really, really want to live. Rejecting God's authority and, and offending him because we don't care about what he thinks and, and setting ourselves up in his place will be God and then lying to ourselves about it. And like I said, trying to lie to God about it, you know, just isn't going to work, okay? So sin is really, really bad. All right. Now let's consider that forgiveness is really good. Better than we think. Probably way better than we think. So let's take a look here again. These same two verses. And um, just let me say, let me go back to this idea we lie to ourselves and about uh, in God is that, you know, just the idea without truth, there's no hope of any solution ever. There just isn't. Okay? If you have a medical issue, you need the truth, don't you? Or there's no solution. Well, it's the same thing in the spiritual realm and life. All right, so forgiveness. So here we go. Let's look back in verse 1. Blessed he whose transgression is forgiven. Forgiven. Uh, you know, we kind of take that word for granted. Forgiven, we think we know what it means, and we probably have a good idea of it. But literally, this Hebrew word that's translated forgiven means to lift. To lift. And so here's the idea, that when I sin, I take on a burden. I take on a weight that I have to carry. And because you, you're carrying it because it isn't true, it isn't right. And now when, <laughs> have you ever been driving someplace and you think you know how to get there and then you made a wrong turn? <laughs> and you say, okay, I'm all right. And then you make another wrong turn. And you find yourself farther and farther away and now you don't even know where you are. Okay. This is similar. You sin. A weight comes on. And rather than dealing with it, now you try to deal with the consequences of it. Okay? So you're dealing with the consequences. Sometimes you make choices to, to sin in dealing with the consequences, and the weight gets heavier. And it gets heavier and heavier. Okay? And so 
whether it's, it's one sin that, that's there, there's a weight, or whether there, and I would say that there's a good chance with all of us here today and with those who are watching that some of you have been carrying a really heavy weight for a long time. Okay? And, you know, maybe some areas you've tried to do them, but there's things and that's need. You're weighed down and you don't even realize it. Sometimes you do. But when we receive God's forgiveness, what does this word mean? To lift. And so when we come before the Lord and we, you know, we acknowledge our sin and he forgives us, he, he lifts that weight. Have you ever experienced that in your life where, you know, you, you weren't doing what you're supposed to do and you finally said, oh God, what am I doing? And you humbled yourself before him and it's like, Anybody besides me ever experienced that feeling? Yeah, right. And so then when he says he forgives us, he lifts it, okay? And so here's what I want you to see. This goes back to what Jesus did for us. God has removed the obstacles that prevent someone from being saved and getting forgiveness. So let's look at it, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Okay, so he's lifted this, this thing that's weighing down on this obstacle from us experiencing this joyful, free relationship with the Lord and, and walking through life in that way. And how did he do that? Well, when Jesus died for us, what's it say? He reconciled us to himself. In other words, we had a problem. He had a problem. There was a problem between us. We were sinful separated from him, dead spiritually, so that ought to be fixed. But it says when Jesus went to the cross, he reconciled us to himself. But I want you to see even more than that. God was in Christ reconciling who? The world to himself. Well, wait a minute. Did Jesus die for the sins of the whole world? Yes. He absolutely did. The Bible tells us satisfactory payment for the sins, not just for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Is the whole world saved? No, not at all. There's still an obstacle. There's still a problem. On whose side? Ours, the human being's side. That's right. So here's God. And, and we have this sin problem. And it's, it's, it can't be fixed by human beings. There's no way. So he steps in and he fixes the problem. And on his side, he has removed every obstacle. There's nothing in the way on God's side. So the obstacle lies where? On our side. And that's when we, we're talking about needing forgiveness, when we sin and we don't come to him for forgiveness. See, the obstacle's on our side. We just have to come. And, and remember, what are we talking about forgiveness? We're not talking about forgiveness to, to make it to heaven, right? That's already settled when we receive Jesus. Are we good with that? Okay. I'm talking about what's this relationship like? I, so let me tell you, if you, I don't want to think of an example, so I'll be generic, all right? Let's say there's somebody that you know, and you kind of did them wrong, and you know it's wrong, and, and you're going through life, and all of a sudden, you turn the corner at the grocery store, and there they are. Is that a free and open and joyful relationship? No, you want to what? Pretend you never saw them and walk away. But you understand, that's what we're doing with God. 
We've sinned, and we know we've sinned, and all of a sudden, for some reason, it comes to our attention, and, oh, okay, I, you know, I'm not ready to deal with that yet, or I feel so bad about myself, you know, Satan wants to beat you down, and instead, wait, no, no, there's no obstacle here. All I have to do is say, oh, God. Now, that didn't belong. We'll talk more about that in a minute. So there's no obstacle. So he has removed, this forgiveness removes the obstacles between us. Okay, the second thing is that God puts our sins out of sight and out of mind. Look, whose sin is covered. Now this word covered um, oftentimes has a negative connotation. I mean, if we were, were listening to the news and they said, oh, it's, you know, so-and-so has been a cover-up. Yeah. Well, that's not good, Right? But that isn't what this means. This idea of covered, it was a word that was often used in the Old Testament to talk about sins. Um, But the idea is this, that when it's covered, it's God's intention with it is it will never see the light of day again. See what I mean? It's never going to be brought up again. It's it's covered. It's away. And it's... Let's look at a scripture here from... um, so I think it's from Micah. Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, those who, the believing, his true believers in Israel, but overlooking the sins of his special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing, I think it says, unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit. How deep is the ocean? The ocean is um, average depth, 12,000 feet. Over two miles, the average depth. The deepest part of the ocean is right about seven miles deep. Okay, so yeah, that's, I'm scared. It might float to the top again. No, because you know water weighs something? You pick up a gallon of water, it weighs eight pounds, okay? Um, Per square inch, per square inch, at seven miles down, there's eight tons of water on top of that. Eight tons. You think it's floating to the surface? No, it can't. It's being held down, all right? Um, let me see, remind myself. Oh, yeah, that's right. So this is a thousand times heavier than here at, at you know, basic sea level. But So on my Bible, what that would work out to, about this big, if, if this was my sins and it was put down there, two, the weight of two 747s. <laughs> they weigh about 400,000 pounds apiece. Okay. And I think that's per square inch. Anyway, so you get the idea? When he's telling us our sins are covered and that they have been buried in the depths of the sea, he's telling us what? They're never coming up to be held against me ever again. Is that good news? Absolutely good news. So he puts our sins out of sight, out of mind. Uh, Psalm 103 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins. So if you're still concerned about that your sins are hanging out there at the bottom of the ocean, 
He says he's put them as far away as from the east as from the west. And so if you start in the east and you head west, when do you get there? I know this is one of those tricky new math questions. You start in the east and you head west. When, are you, when have you finally arrived? You can keep going west for how long? Forever. You see what he's done? So when he says your sins are forgiven, they're covered. That's what he is talking about. Um, now, does this mean that God doesn't know about our sin? No, it doesn't mean he doesn't know about it. But I, I tell you what it, what it means. Uh, and does this mean God won't respond to our sin as Christians? No. Uh-huh. Doesn't mean that. Of course God knows. But probably not in the way we think. And, and he will respond. But again, maybe not in the way we think. There's a couple verses in Proverbs that are also quoted in Hebrews. It says this. It says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as the Father, the Son, in whom he delights. Now let's stop just a minute. Correcting, what does that mean? What does correcting imply? That something's what? Wrong. Needs to be corrected. So there is an awareness of the sins, but God says, you know, these sins are bad from you. These sins are going to damage your life. These sins are going to prevent you from experiencing what I have for you, which is much better than your own thoughts. You know, all of these kinds of things. And so he will correct us for them. But what is the focus here? Is the focus here the sins? No, the focus is what? It's you and me. He loves me. He loves you. So he will correct me. He will address things. And sometimes that can be hard. If I'm a knucklehead and stubborn, it can be hard. But you see what I'm saying? It's not, he's not focusing on the sin. He's focusing on you and I, whom he loves. Which reminds us, God is not against us, but for us, isn't he? Amen. And forgiveness reminds us of that. God is not against us, he is for us. All right, the third thing here. In verse 2, blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. God doesn't identify us by our sins or hold them against us anymore. So when we, you know, come to him to want to restore this relationship, oh God, I have sinned. Understand, he isn't identifying us by our sins. Oh, oh, that's right, this is my son, the thief. No, this is my son. Hey, son, don't do that again. It's bad for you. (laughs) You do that again, I'm going to let you experience the consequences of it. I mean, you see what I'm saying? But it's us. It's about us. It's about his love for us. And he uses this word here, impute. I bet you guys used that word this week, didn't you? This word impute means to braid. Like if, if, ladies, if you braid your hair or someone else's hair, it gets what? All intertwined, doesn't it? And stuck together. This word also means to permeate, okay? To go in and, you know, mix in until it permeates. Uh, and it also means the result of computation. What? Say what? Well, I'll talk about that more in just a moment. But the idea is when God looks at us and deals with us, he sees us not us with our sin all mixed in. 
Our sin is separate from us at that point for him. Do you understand that, what I'm saying? He isn't imputing his sin to us. He's not, you know, connecting. It's, you guys are looking like I'm, I'm not quite clear, and I may not be. But do you feel like you're getting that? What God doesn't, that isn't how he sees us. He isn't what he does. And it gets better than that. Because the idea when God adds everything up, his computation, he adds up, it's not our sins that he sees, but his son's righteousness. Okay, let's look at, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 again here. It says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to us. That is really, really good. But he does per, uh, impute, braid, permeate righteousness to us. So let's look at the next passage there. For he made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let's look at Romans. Go ahead to the Romans passage. But to him who does not work, we're not talking about you don't have a job. He's talking here about how we get right with Christ. And when works, he means trying to do good things to somehow rather try to fix our sin problem. Doesn't work. He's saying those who aren't doing the works. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is, and here's the word, accounted for righteousness. It's the same word as impute. Okay? And the idea is that he is saying, yeah, I forgive you, I, and, and you have my son's righteousness. That means his son's righteousness, it is all braided up in me. That it does permeate me. That God has put it on my account. It's a real, real thing. All right, and then fourth one here, the last one, in whose spirit there is no deceit, God's forgiveness enables to experience and live in the freedom that truth brings. Huh. You know when I said when you're trying to live by something that isn't true, it gets harder and harder and harder, right? Because the farther you go, the farther off course you are and the more adjustments you have to make and the more rationalizations you have to make and it just gets terrible, okay? But when God forgives us, the truth reigns. Here's the truth. Yeah, I did sin. Truth is you've already provided for me in that. Truth is my, you've restored my relationship with you. The truth, I'm free. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. Can you say that with me? I'm free. You really are when, when you're living in the forgiveness of God. So forgiveness is really good, isn't it? You know, better than we might have thought. So let's, let's just take a look at the rest of what's here today. He says, verse 3, when I kept silent. So now he's going to say, here's the whole thing about blessings and forgiveness and all that. But he says, but when I kept silent, when I didn't deal with my sins, when I just hung on to them, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. What does that really mean? I'm not really sure, but it sounds bad. Okay. For day and night, your hand, talking to God, your hand was heavy upon me. I felt the weight. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. This is bad, okay? The, all right. So God lovingly allows us to feel the heaviness of persisting in our sin, and it is heavy. But God lets you experience that because he loves you, because he wants you to say, I got a problem, I got to deal with this, okay? 
All right, so let's read on. Verse 5, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. All right, so all this, I'm, I'm doing my own thing and it's heavy and I finally said, what am I doing? God, I acknowledge it to you and he forgives us, okay? So forgiveness comes when we get real with God about ourselves and our sin. That's when he says, okay, I acknowledged it. He said that, and that's when forgiveness comes. We, we know this uh, passage of scripture, we're probably pretty familiar with it in 1 John. It says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. So if we aren't being honest about it, you're not walking the truth. He says, but however, and I put the however in there, if we confess our sins, this we admit them, we acknowledge them to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's that iniquity, right? Clean us up from it. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us, okay? So you only have two ways to live this out. You see that? You're either open and honest before God about your sin or you're not. And if you're not, you're lying. You're not living according to the truth. You don't have that to see. Okay, then the next thing. Forgiveness enables us to grow in our relationship with the Lord. Because just the example, like I said, if, if you sinned against somebody and you turn the corner at the grocery store and there they are, eh, this is not a good situation. But if you can figure out, not necessarily just at that moment, but you figure out, I got to take care of this. And you, you get open about this, right? And you confess and you work through it. Now that relationship can do what? It can grow. Is that relationship going to grow before you deal with it? going to grow what? After, because you'll feel a freedom in that relationship. So let's look here. He says, verse 6, for this cause, what cause? Well, he'd been talking about nothing but for forgiveness. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. And that puzzled me. And so I did some praying and thinking and talking about it, and I realized that when can God be found? What do you think? Psalm 46.1 says our God is a very present help in times of trouble. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. We can come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in time of need. So when is God, when can God be found? Anytime you need him. And probably the rest of the time you aren't trying to find him because he's already there and with you. All right. So, for this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him, this, this person. And speaking to God, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. And then God responds and says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. I love that statement because has anybody ever guided you with your eye, their eye? Don't parents do that? Well, sometimes it's like in a situation you're kind of like, right? You don't have to tell them. Uh, or maybe my mom had a look that when she looked at you, she was guiding you. Okay? 
And so in verse 9, do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. But so the idea is we can have this relationship with God where it's open and, and free and, and he's leading us and he doesn't even have to force us. He just kind of nods at us, you know, a little bit and we get it. All right, and then finally, uh, trusting in the Lord for forgiveness leads to joyful freedom in life. Verse 10 and 11, many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, you upright in heart. And I would say it's the people who experience God's mercy who are, are forgiven. They, they are righteous because he imputed their righteousness to them, and they're upright, again, because their relationship with God. They are free because they've taken advantage of his sinfulness, of his forgiveness. All right, so finally, just let me leave you with this. If you're here today or you're watching online, and you know we talked earlier about how God provided a way for us to be forgiven and have a relationship with him and you know, have heaven and eternal life, um, and you have questions about that you don't understand it, please look, at, look, you know, look us up. Connect with us some way. We'd really like to help you know how to make that decision. And really, you don't, you've got to do that. All you've got to do is sincerely from your heart say, God, that's me. And that's what I want. I trust Jesus. That's all you, if you're sincere, that's all you have to do. So, Father, we come to you and we thank you for your word and the forgiveness. Lord, help us to understand the, the magnitude of the forgiveness. Help us to see the terrible ugliness of sin. And that, that when, because we see that, Lord, that when we do sin, we, we're so quick to come back to you and, and, and to accept your full forgiveness in our relationship and you know what we need you know each person here father where they're at and what's going on i pray that you would take the truths of your word today and drive them deep into each of our hearts to address what each of us need as your people i pray in jesus name amen